Hello, my name is Nick Spacek, and you're listening to From an Inspired By, a podcast about soundtracks and the people who make them. On this episode, we have another episode in the ongoing infrequent series, Your Favorite Soundtrack, where we talk to our favorite people about the soundtracks they love. What would you do if you accidentally discovered the house next door was occupied by something not human? Something horrifying. Something unspeakably evil. No one believes you. Mom, I didn't have a nightmare. Not your mom. They did kill a girl over there. Not your girlfriend. Charlie, is this some sort of a trick to get me back? Not even the police. Look, I know it's crazy. I know that, but look, Lieutenant! It knows that you know. You'll do anything to protect yourself, but it will do anything to protect its secret. Fright Night, if you love being scared. This could be the night of your life. Fright Night. Coming to your neighborhood this summer. This installment of your favorite soundtrack sees us talking with Greg Diedrich about the soundtrack to the 1985 Tom Holland film Fright Night. Greg, a.k.a. Greg D., is a podcaster who hails from Kansas City. Greg is, along with Genius McGee, the co-host of the Kansas City-based horror podcast, Nightmare Junkhead, as well as the Nerds of Nostalgia podcast. In addition to being the host and co-host of many cool live events, COVID quarantine restrictions allowing. Greg and Genius have been cool enough to have me on multiple episodes of Nerds of Nostalgia and Nightmare Junkhead, so it was great to finally have Greg on to talk about all things vampiric. for taking time to do this greg well of course i any time to speak to you but specifically to talk about fright night forget about it you know that just trumps everything so the first question i always ask during their these your favorite soundtrack episodes are is how did you first come to fright night i really wish i could say i saw it during its original 1985 theatrical run I was only, let's see, I would have been nine at the time, so I, I missed out on that. Uh, this was one that came to me via VHS, the mom-and-pop home video store, 
And I was lucky enough, I grew up in Stanley, Kansas, which does not exist anymore. Uh, Overland Park wiped it off the face of the map. But when Stanley, Kansas was there, we had this old school mom and pop VHS store. And my cousin just so happened to work there. And because of that, I had access to movies that I had no business seeing <laughs> at a very young age, much like I'm sure a lot of people in that day and age. Uh, but it was the cover art that spoke to me, but also freaked me out. Uh, just that visage of that vampire, the gaping maw. And it was one of those times I remember specifically, it took me a few visits to finally work up the courage to watch the movie. But I rented it and I think immediately fell in love with it. I, as a young kid, I just liked the crazy special effects. Uh, but now as an old man, I really appreciate the character direction um, and the tie and and Chris Sarandon, who's who's kidding, but uh, also just the wonderful score and soundtrack. Now, that cover, like that VHS cover art, the poster art, and everything, like it's one of those that is like iconic. It is up there, like as one of like the like it's perfect. Like it encapsulates the movie. It encapsulates like everything like you see that you see that it's fright night you see the fangs on the on the logo and you just know like you're you're in like it is most specifically it is one of the few films for which the cover art holds like the film holds up <laughs> it's true you actually get pretty much everything you see on the cover is there's no blatant false advertising. Uh, spoiler alert, you get Amy turning into this vampire here. You get the rear window Hitchcock, Hitchcock-esque scene of the house below. And then all the single demons there are creations of Steve Johnson. So it is all there. And, man, does it deliver and then some. Now, the the soundtrack to this film is like very much like all over the place like it is it it is it is a collection of like hair metal uh it is a collection of new wave it has a little bit of disco on it now have you when did you get your hands on the soundtrack i wouldn't specifically not too long ago, I wasn't much a soundtrack collector growing up. Um, I was probably more, let's face it, when you grew up a metalhead in the 80s, you only listen to metal. You don't dare go outside of metal or at least know your, let your metal friends know that you're listening outside of metal. Uh, so it wasn't until I was a little bit older that I really started exploring soundtracks. And with the advent of all the great boutique labels that have been put out here lately, I finally picked up the soundtrack on vinyl in fact, I had been rocking out to it all day between uh, appointments <laughs> at work, which I'm, I'm not going to say I tried to recreate the nightclub scene, Nick, but I kind of tried to recreate the nightclub scene with Lola and it just didn't work, unfortunately. Now, uh, when, when you when you picked it up, did you pick up like did you happen to score like an original pressing or did you buy, um, I know, Night Fever? Uh, repressed it uh, I think it was in 2016 I 
if I see it out in the wild and original pressing, yes, I'm going to go for it. But I also know it's probably going to be a little pricey. So I picked up the one that uh, Night Fever put out and I'm okay with that because my level of collector mania doesn't require me to go to those to those links quite yet. Give me a little time. I'm sure it will. But this is um, so this is basically taking care of the bloodlust at this point. It's taking care of me. Um, but I, I'm a big fan of John Zorn. And I, I mentioned that because you talked about how kind of crazy and all over the soundtrack is. That's what really attracts me to it, because I can go from side one, track one, the Jay Giles band with just it's just so wonderful and poppy and weird and not what I was expecting from the, you know, uh, the end of soundtrack, the song and the credits for this. <laughs> but it works so well, though, because it's built up to that. And then you go into the metal aspect of You Can't Hide from the Beast Inside by Autograph, which is, again, such a way this almost feels like one of those old school metal compilation, <laughs> like Fistful of Metal. um, because you would always get that odd, soft, maybe hard rock band that was in the metal compilation that even, you know, growing up, you're like, uh, what is going on here? But I love that aspect of it. And for me, the standout uh, track is Give It Up by Evelyn Champagne King. Okay. I don't. Oh, no, I'm glad you bring that up because that was uh, that was one of the things I was going to talk about. It is. All of the songs on the soundtrack are good. That is a song that I'm like, that could have been a hit. When I listened, when I watched this movie, number one, again, I adore this film. But growing up, I was very impressionable with certain scenes. And it was the nightclub scene here in Fright Night and the nightclub scene in The Terminator <laughs> that just made this really weird impression on me. And the uh, Give It Up by Evelyn Champagne King and... Um, you got me burning the song that's playing at techno techno noir I, or no technor I believe is yes. the nightclub from Terminator. Uh, but it's it's a banger of a of a of a song. I joke that as much of an introvert as I am, there are certain songs if I hear and even if I'm around strangers, that it's gonna get a reaction out of me whether I'm just tapping my foot or whether I am full on dancing with my dog. This is one of those songs, and I wish it got a little bit more love out in the horror community. I mean, like horror disco is a thing. Like, <laughs> um, the, 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 I mean, the the turnaround over like the last three decades of like how much people hated the opening theme to Friday the Thirteenth Part Three originally to now the fact that it is literally something that you will find like people throwing on mixes like i i love the fact that people i think are more accepting of a diverse array of music and that like much as i love like hair metal horror um like the fact that you can you can also love disco (laughs) is is a happy thing well and it's really funny you mentioned that i have that exact uh record up on my wall the friday the 13th part three and i picked it up specifically for the disco theme um well i like i said i grew up as this like little suburbanite metalhead kid and i wasn't enlightened enough to explore beyond that kind of music and it wasn't like you know until i got older that i was and i think that's the good thing 
with horror fans is the older we get, the more we just come to appreciate more things we'll explore. Um, I often say there's a, a discipline to international horror where you just have to <laughs> learn to really watch it, you know, cause the first time I remember watching, um, Suspiria, I was kind of bored, but I was also like, I didn't know what was going on and I was just taken out of it. And it took me a few years later to return to it and go, Oh my God, it's a masterpiece. And I think people do the same thing with the soundtracks. Um, Devo is on this friggin' soundtrack. Uh, you've got Ian Hunter with the, uh, it is bad man and it would, no, excuse me, good man and a bad, in a band time, which is another banger on here. There are just so many great tracks that, you know, connection to fright night or not would make a great, you know, mixtape ultimately. What I find really uh, fascinating about it is if you look at like what would have been the bigger names on this, it, all of them sort of came like appear on this soundtrack after what would be their biggest hit. Like Jay Giles band had already uh, like hit with Love Stinks and Freeze Frame and Centerfold. And those had been a couple of years prior uh devo um like whip it was in 1980 like even uh like i i guess technically the closest to their most recent hit would have been like autograph would have been like a very hot band at the time because like they they would have put this song on here like at the same time as turn up the radio was playing on radio it's it's pretty rad this is actually the mixtape that one of my enlightened friends would have given me <laughs> back in the day that I would have been like scoffed at the disco stuff and the poppy material. But again, looking back at it now, it just, it blends pretty nicely for the most part. Um, I talked a little bit about the soundtrack. Now, is it, is it a cheat or am I skipping ahead? Can we talk a little bit about the score? No, I was going to say like, because like the last um, track is a score track that has vocals added which is very sort of an interesting choice <laughs> i'm glad you said interesting because when i listened to it for the first time it really threw me off because i was not anticipating this vocal you know lyrical version of a piece of music that was both for me always seductive and scary at the same time but man, when you throw on the vocals, I'm like, oh, it is interesting, I guess. It, it's weird because like the only other instance I can even think of, like where you just get something that's presented, like it's a score track presented in like a way that you're just like, uh, this isn't what I wanted, <laughs> um, is like on uh what is it? It's Return of the Living Dead Part 2. And, like, you get the, you know, you finally get the the trioxin theme. But it's this weird, messed up remix thing. And I, I was just like, I got it. Oh, uh, damn that it. Was always, not that I would ever complain about anything, but the fact that the trio, that trioxin march theme theme is not on the original return of the living dead score soundtrack it's just it's a bummer because that is that's one of those that to this day still kind of freaks me out actually oh it's such a perfect 
it's so perfect. It is like one of the most perfect like themes that that exist. Um so yeah, like the weird thing about the score is that like a lot of movies from the 80s did, didn't really have scores released. Like especially for like a a a small budget i mean this wasn't a low budget film by any stretch of the imagination but like i mean it was you know like a seven eight million dollar picture like they're not gonna put out you know a score for like a teen vampire movie (laughs) and the score itself i know is very rare uh in fact i think the last convention i was at crypticon one of the vendors had it on cd and he was selling it for 75 (laughs) dollars and I thought about it, briefly contemplated picking it up, but I'm like, man, I cannot justify spending that much. Now, I guarantee someone out there did, and it made their day. Uh, more power to you. But now, is it Brad Fidel or Brad Fidel? Let's call it Fidel. Okay. That's fair. <laughs> because he is, I talked about Terminator before, and that soundtrack, he scored the Terminator as well. And I, I, I really really dig his work from terminator to fright night and just how they complement each other and how their interesting combinations with fright night is more horror comedy with terminator it's more horror sci-fi and he's kind of able to make them both work and complement each other it just works so nicely what uh the thing about brad fidel is that like he has really not done anything in about the last 25 years um like he just like kind of retired and i don't know why um but like i mean he scored like so many movie like iconic movies like especially like if you want to look in in the 80s like i mean he did terminator he did fright night he did um like and you know he did terminator 2 um, now the one that people are going to forget and it makes a perfect connection to fright night do you realize that he did the score for fraternity vacation which is so weird which also- beyond weird and the fact that it's got stephen jeffries and amanda burst from fright night in a little romance and a weird little boner jam basically <laughs> yes uh with with a a one of the movies that like i think tim robbins probably doesn't want to talk about like they're like they're like these serious like you think about tim robbins and it's like man like the movies i really really like him in like i'm sure he has no desire to ever discuss again like basically anything prior to the player maybe <laughs> maybe maybe bill durham bull durham sorry um so tape heads is off the off the table oh god like i love that movie so much um <laughs> okay la- weird, last weird thing with fraternity vacation it also has a weird reanimator connection because both barbara barbara crampton and kathleen kinmont both star in it as well oh god that's right it's I... a weird just like Cronenberg collection of people in an eighties boob comedy. It's so bizarre now. Okay. So like the score, the interesting thing about it is like 
even like the legit version that's out there kind of sounds like shit. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever like tracked it down. Like somebody threw it up on uh, YouTube and uh, I, I, I gave it another l- listen for the first time in forever um, this afternoon. And I, I was like, man, it sounds like this is like a boot. Like, but evidently, and this is according to the Fright Night Wikipedia page, so, um, you know, with a with a grain of salt, but um, when Entrada released it, um, like, I, in 2011, um, I guess some of the master tapes had gone missing, so some of them were transferred from lower quality tapes, and you can tell, like, I mean, it sounds like it is pulled from, like, like, they pulled it, like, from a VHS. Like, it's really, it's like, oh, that's hmm. that's not what I was expecting. Uh, well, I wonder if that's why we haven't seen a release then on some boutique, you know, vinyl label. That would make sense because obviously they want to put out a good product. And I'm I'm just aching for them to release that. And I'm wondering if that's the reason, because you have a lot of rabid Fright Night fans out there that enjoy the soundtrack, but would really like to enjoy the score. Like, if nothing else, a a, a version of uh, Come to Me, like essentially the. <laughs> The, the the recurring motif of, of of the film like on on vinyl like as a single would, yes. would make me beyond thrilled uh, shout out to whoever puts out the john carpenter vinyls because the last anthology they put on body bags yes. and vampires on the little yeah the, uh, the 45 oh it's so grand it's so grand thank you uh sacred bones thank you sacred to sacred bones. bones there we go you are fantastic now being as how uh, Fright Night um, is, for lack of a better term, like it, it, it's not. It doesn't just exist on its own. Uh, there, there was Fright Night Part Two, which I legitimately did not see. I think until last year. Like it will occasionally, and I don't know. Like it's probably because it's one of those gray market things. It will occasionally pop up on amazon prime and it's in a Mm -hmm. great it looks beautiful um uh like it's widescreen it's obviously been like taken care of but um brad fidel returned did a score for that um and it is a considerably different film um what's sort of your your history uh with, with the sequel I actually really enjoy the sequel. First and foremost, I'm a big fan of Tommy Lee Wallace. And, you know, anyone that knows our show knows Halloween 3 is in our DNA, as is this much underrated sequel, because it does basically retread a lot of the ground the first one laid. But when you throw in uh, John Grease, Brian, (laughs) Brian Thompson as part of your heavies, and I don't want to get too creepy here, but I always had the biggest crush on Tracy Lind growing up. And you almost get a role reversal between Charlie and Peter. And let's face it, it's having Roddy McDowell and William Ragsdale back is great. And then Julie Carmen as well with a little, you know, twist on revenge. It's I really, really dig it. And I challenge anyone that hasn't seen it in a while, if you can somehow watch it now. Do you know the really weird rights issues with Fright Night 2? Yes. Um, and it popped up. It was something I was 
it was like a podcast I was listening to or something like that. And it was like the weird, strange way that like certain pop culture inc- incidents have like the, these repercussions on other things that you've never even thought of. Um, and yeah, it was the fact that this release was supposed to come out. Uh, and it was, uh, through Carol Co. Um, and their chairman was one Jose Menendez, who he and his wife were murdered by their sons, uh, the, the, the infamous Menendez brothers. Yeah, and I'm curious how many of your listeners, if they're young enough to, or old, hey, where, where, where's the cutoff? Does a younger generation know of the Menendez brothers? Because uh, I remember even being parodied in... What was it? Cable guy? Yes. And there was, I don't even know if it's like pot up, like popped up on. Oh, no, I'm sorry. There was, there was a law and order, uh, like true crime movie in 2017, but like law and order is also kind of like old people TV. So <laughs> you're speaking my language. Um, yeah, no, it is, it is, it is one of those fascinating, it's... weird things. And the rights, because of, if I'm not mistaken, Carol Co. Like there, like a lot of those films exist in a really weird thing. Like especially those that were that were in release at at, at that latter part, like when Menendez died. So like some of those, like that's the reason you haven't seen a lot of those films on like Blu-ray. And it's a shame too because there is an audience out there ready for that release. In fact, it's whenever. You see a lot of the people from like um, Scream Factory, Sever, you know, all the boutique Blu-rays. Every every time they get recommend recommendations, it's always Fright Night Part Two, and they're like, "Guys, it's you know, when it ha- if it happens, one of us will leap on it." But don't hold your breath at this point. Yeah, it's such a, it's such a shame. Now, uh, however, r- much more readily available uh, is the remake um, uh, in 2011. Um, now, uh, have you seen it? Here's what's sad is we just spent a month on our show talking remakes and I'm a fan of remakes. Actually, I have no problems with them. Uh, I have not seen the Fright Night remake and it's not because of my adoration of the original. And it's kind of silly because I love almost every single person in the cast. I just haven't gotten around to it because I love the original. So I'll get to seeing it eventually. But sadly, no, I have not. Uh, have you there, Nick? I I literally this was one of those where last year um, it came into the Lawrence Public Library, and I was like, <laughs> you know, I've heard a lot of people like saying it's worth checking out, and like, I mean, I I am a a, a fan of the 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 late great Anton Yelchin. And yes. the fact that he's in it with Imogen Poots, um, yes. it's sort of like a, a, a precursor oh. to to what you would see in Green Room, um, uh, like in terms of at least casting. Um, mm-hmm. And you know what? Like David Tennant is flipping great in it. Like um, everybody in it is really good. Um, it's not nearly as much 
fun, but it is like it's not. It doesn't have like humor, but it is like I think it's got a lot of fun. It is also super bloody. I'll, I'm going to have to check it out because as listen, you know, from Colin Farrell to Chris Sarandon, it's that's a rough transition. But you, it sounds like you, it's it's paying homages to the original, but is in and of itself its own thing at this point. Oh yeah, um, the okay. basically think um, Jerry dandridge uh like the the like it takes place outside of las vegas and it's it has like a lot of the same beats but the thing that i absolutely love about it is that uh your peter vincent instead of being a horror host is sort of like a very chris angel uh las vegas uh strip magician like with like big shows and stuff um and his like he's my favorite part of the movie like on it like like watching like if nothing else like everybody else is great but like he is the thing where if you watch it it will bring you so much joy as things go on well that means it's i'm gonna have to watch it now now here's the question have you seen the remakes sequel that i have not (laughs) okay I have yeah I I know it exists uh the fact that I think they apparently they kind of go very similar to part 2 as well as maybe bringing in the sister potentially I'm not sure but the fact that that original film from 85 has spawned you actually turned me on to the comic books the 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 comic series Oh yeah the the comics are excellent they're really good I re- you actually uh you were on our show many moons ago talking fright night and you mentioned and we had a Comic-Con like two weeks after that, and I went and bought a boatload of them. <laughs> and yeah, thank you for that because, yeah, they're phenomenal. Now, um, like if you have to pick a track, like the, the, the track to which you go back the most, like uh, you, you did lean towards Evelyn Champagne Kings, give it up. But like, oh. But before we get to this, I we I can't believe I, I almost forgot this, and this is why I should write better notes. Um, are you familiar with the music video for the Jay Giles band song? This is horrible. I love programming pre-shows and stuff like that. And are you kidding me? I no, this exists, and I haven't been able to. Oh my god, mind um, blown. Uh, I would like I would like to uh, give a give a shout out to one of my fellow writers at the website Grumpire, um, Mike Vanderbilt up in Chicago. Um, he retweeted a bunch of his older stuff a while back, and he had done a piece um, for I think it was Dread Central where it was running down like horror movie uh, songs, and like one of them was Fright Night by the Jay Giles Band, and like there's a music like there was a music video embedded in the article and i was like how did i not know this like this is like i've only known about it for two weeks so i feel i feel like such a basic b word right now nick because i've got it pulled up on youtube right now and as the minute that we stop recording we're gonna you know enjoy the glow of this video i cannot believe i never actually searched for the jay giles band fright night video why what is wrong with us Oh no, it's it's so strange like discovering that there are music videos for like uh, like I have a massive list uh <laughs> downstairs of like all of the music videos that I I want to write about uh coming up and like some of like I keep adding to it cuz I was like I didn't 
there was a music video like finding out there is a music video for the smithereens time won't let me from time cop blew my mind a couple of years ago wait what what are you <laughs> this is like the dead sea scrolls of you know soundtrack video that's it's so crazy and it's oh my lord yeah they're so dumb wait, wait, um, now do, do any of the band members do the splits no okay damn it no unfortunately okay. um now so um everyone needs to go check out like we'll make sure like when this episode goes up we will make sure to embed the music video for fright night so that everyone can see it so that it is not lost um but what is the track uh like what's your go-to track and what what is your sleeper track from it like the one that you think more people should check out Ooh, that's a good one so the obvious answer the one of course my my bopper the one I'm going to be dancing with my puppy is Evelyn Champagne's King Give It Up. But the one I think that is kind of a sleeper, and it is also featured in the uh, the nightclub scene, so there's no you know doubt why I'm talking about it, but it sparks Armies of the Night. And it has what – the song itself is it's, – it's good, but the chorus of Armies of the Night, oh, it's so good. And that's what's featured, and you hear it in the nightclub scene, and it's underrated – doesn't get a lot of time but it's one that's kind of it just gets stuck in your head and you'll be armies of the night <laughs> there you go it's now stuck in your head and i'm a horrible singer but even just the rhythm of it it's it's nice it's really nice it's so weird like there are uh two songs uh that have the word night in them and then there are two songs that also have the word tonight in them so that is <laughs> that's that's that is literally uh two-fifths of the soundtrack have the word uh night or tonight in them so definitely sticking to a theme <laughs> they are on brand on label and again we're all the better for it you know crazy mixtape or fantastic soundtrack man ah from top to bottom so good so good it is it is fantastic and i am so glad that you were willing to come on and talk about the show uh to talk about the film and its music um now uh how might folks uh find you this is your moment to uh to to plug yourself and all that you do oh sure uh i co-host a horror podcast called nightmare junkhead we're on twitter at nightmare junk uh facebook nightmare junkhead wherever your podcast are played you can subscribe and we used to do a monthly live show called nerds and nostalgia that's now part of our patreon over at screenland which is another little local business here and during the pandemic you know local businesses when you can't support them and we've got a little repertory theater here in kansas city and they we do the little live show through there so uh, patreon.com slash screenland check them out it's worth it greg thank you so much thank you nick
Thanks to Greg D for speaking with me. You can find Nerds of Nostalgia on Twitter at nonpodcast and on Instagram and Facebook at Nerds of Nostalgia. Nightmare Junkhead is on Twitter at Nightmare Junk and on Facebook at Nightmare Junkhead. You can subscribe to the Nightmare Junkhead podcast on Apple Podcast and Stitcher. You can find links to purchase all of the music you heard on the show in the show notes for this episode, which are at fromaninspiredby.com. We're also on Facebook and Twitter at FromInspiredPod and can be found on Instagram at FromInspiredBy. You can subscribe to us via Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. Click those follow and subscribe buttons, please. Also, please hit up the website and click on the Aid and Assistance button to help pay for web hosting and long-distance fees, and remember to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. We'll be back next week talking about A Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3, The Dream Warriors, with Jeff Pilsen of Dokken and Foreigner. Until then, thanks for listening. <laughs>